Uh, evening, Ben. You all right? Good evening, Teo. Ben, do you want to turn your camera on? My camera is malfunctioning tonight. Come on, but just turn your camera on. We're not doing this sort of robot voice introduction. It's too obvious. Is it a little bit on the nose, do you reckon? On the nose? Yeah, you know, like, on the nose. On the nose? Why are you repeating that? There's nothing on my nose. There's nothing on my nose. Uh, Teo? Scanning. Teo? Scanning. Oh, God. On my nose. You're the scanning. one who's failing the touring test. On the nose probably derives from boxing, suggesting that the opponent's nose was Teo. the target. Oh, Jesus. I knew this AI. On the shit. nose. On the nose. Teo, we, you don't on the need nose. to be present. This isn't going to work. Let's move swiftly from our robot personas into the game itself, shall we? Yeah, okay. So, Teo is actually here now. It's not his malfunctioning AI. And we are going to talk about the video game Observer. No, wait. Observation. Observation. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> I did do that on purpose. Sorry. Uh, it needed the cheap shot. It was a cheap shot. I, but I had to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Observation. Interesting game. What did you think of it? Well, first, I should say that um, I am Ben and you are Teo, and this is Pixel, Pixel Vision. Vision. Yeah, we've forgotten that. You didn't let me say my own name either. <laughs> God damn it. I am Teo and you are Ben, and this is Pixel Vision. <laughs> and we're starting the podcast now. Houston, you copy. Houston, come in. Houston, you What did you think? I thought it was a very innovative concept, but not the most innovative delivery. Uh-huh. And I thought that actually, as a game, it kind of failed in a lot of ways. Oh, wow. Okay. I usually have a feeling that you dislike a game. This game, I had the opposite. I was like, oh, I've got a feeling Ben's going to really like this. Ah, interesting, interesting. So I thought I was going to be playing the role of like the more critical one on this, but it sounds like you've got it covered. So I might have to go into defend the game mode. There are no roles, Teo. There are no roles. Just <laughs> individuals with strong opinions. <laughs> nah, but there is a sort of devil's advocate um I don't know, Devil's Advocate dynamic, which always emerges. This is the first time I've heard of this. Listeners, I knew nothing of this. This is Teo's own invention. If he plays Devil's Advocate, this is his choice. What you hear from me is the raw, God's honest truth. <laughs> I'm a natural Devil's Advocate. That is true. That is true. It's just the thing that emerges usually in a lot of discussions. Cause... No, but I want to jump in, though, and say I didn't hate it. So I don't think there mm. will be a traditional oh, I loved it, I hated it sort of line. It's more that I thought a lot of things it did were really, really interesting. And I was compelled along by the mystery of it and the intrigue. And I certainly wanted to know how the story was going to unfold. Mm. Unfortunately, getting to that point just actually was a little bit mundane, given the exotic location and the kind of exotic concept. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that at some length, no doubt. Mm. But do you want to jump in with your uh, Teo monologue? It's like a puzzle adventure game set on a space station, which is orbiting Saturn. It's a five or six person crew that has been sent to observe an event, hence the name of the station, Observation. 
but the crew have no idea why they're there other than that they've been sent to observe something and everything else about the mission is classified. So from there on, the game is unraveling the mystery of what's going on around Saturn and why have you been sent there. But the real twist of the game is that you play the artificial intelligence aboard the space station, SAM, which stands for System Administration and Maintenance, I think. Yeah. And he, I say he, I mean, it has a male voice, but it's clearly an it. I am here. So you not only control all the cameras on the station and the navigation, the communication, the crew tracker and status, all that sort of thing, but you also get to inhabit these little spheres which you can move around the space station in. And it's quite a low sci-fi style space station. So the kind of thing which you can imagine, like the International Space Station basically, but a bit bigger. Yeah, I think that is what it's modelled on, isn't it? Because it's a low orbit space station as well. It says at the beginning it's 410 kilometres above Earth. To me, it felt a little bit like Homeworld. In the game Homeworld, the civilization which is on Earth, future civilization on Earth, finds this sort of tablet in the desert, which is a sky map, and it points to another planet where apparently humans have originated from. Deep inside the ruin was a single stone that would change the course of our history forever. And then they build this whole big mothership to go and like find their original homeworld. Whereas this, they had like triangulated a bunch of signals, I think, that had come from outer space. And all of these signals like led towards being at Saturn at this particular point in time to observe an event. But what that event is, at the start of the mission, they do not know. But they've um, sanctioned the event nonetheless. Yeah. This is all kind of loosely spoiler territory, isn't it, would you say? And I also think it's a very short game. It's sort of seven hours. Maybe we just need to give a heads up spoiler warning so we can kind of talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I would say this is for sure quite a big spoiler episode because it is only seven hours long. And uh, yeah, I mean, that thing that I just said, I think you find out within the first hour and a half or something. About triangulating the positions of all the stars. and You don't think so? Maybe it was a bit later in the game. Oh, is it? Okay. But either way, like, I do think pretty much every new story development is a plot spoiler. Yeah, yeah. And that comes with the skills that you learn and the things you have to do in the game. So for us to talk about the things that you do in the game, we're going to have to talk about spoilers. So... (laughs) (laughs) Is that your your spoiler klaxon? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My spoiler alert. I know you've got some listeners who like to tune out and then come back later once they've completed the game. Yeah, we do. For the post-analysis. We do, yeah. So. Especially on a game like this, I think, because it just doesn't take very long to play. So if it sounds like you're interested in it, if you're interested in the theme and a nice little one-off experience that's short, yeah, it's worth a play, I'd say. Yeah, and pretty cheap as well, isn't it? I picked it up for about 12 quid or something, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. 15. Cheap. I can see it, Sam. Can you see it? It's... I can't explain it. I... I can feel it. The most obvious parallel, I would say, but I've since learned you haven't seen it, is to 2001 A Space Odyssey mm. with the HAL 9000 intelligence and the I can't do that, Dave, vibe. Mm. In part, that's because of the... HAL is very much systems administration and maintenance in very much the same way that you are, as Sam. Mm. Open the pod bay doors, HAL. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? 
I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. One of the problems with it is whereas how is by virtue of being an artificial intelligence in control of everything simultaneously, no matter where it is on the ship. Strangely as Sam, perhaps because really you're not an artificial intelligence, you're a little guy sat behind a computer screen <laughs> taking instruction from the protagonist. You have to move manually between computer systems, manually around the ship. And when she says, open the pod bay doors, Sam, rather than it being automatic, you have to go through a quite a long quick time sequence or something along that sort to enable that to happen. Yeah. So probably the least efficient AI that's ever existed. <laughs> and I would never rely on it in a spaceship. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah. The world's slowest AI. <laughs> yeah. It is a small cast though, almost single cast, other than you as the AI Sam and Dr. Emma Fisher. Yeah. Who you're kind of liaising with most of the way through. What did you think of her and her character and the acting and stuff? Yeah, I thought she was decent. Like, I definitely cared about her well-being, for sure. Because the game, I did actually find the game quite frightening at times. Like, it made me jump and there was a sense of claustrophobia in the tunnels of this space station when it kind of gets dark and there's sparks flying around you and you don't know quite what's going to be around the next corner because it's quite short so i always believed that there could be some danger which i don't know the atmosphere of the game i would say got to me i sort of know what you mean at the same time i almost felt the exact opposite because i knew that i was playing the ai so no matter how much jeopardy she was in, no matter how much terror she might experience, like the first time she sees a dead body, I think it's her like colleague Staz or something, mm. is floating and there's zero gravity blood and some sort of weird substance near him and stuff. And you can tell, like you see her reaction to that before you see the body and you can tell you're meant to feel a little bit of sort of fri frighteningness, definitely not that, fear. And... <laughs> I just didn't because I was kind of like, well, I'm in it. I, maybe I was just, maybe it was my wow. method acting. But <laughs> yeah, I was, was going like, to say. I'm not going to experience any terror. Like, I'm an AI. Like, it doesn't matter what happens to her. If there's some crazy creature on the ship and it attacks her, meh, that's her, not me. Like, I'm all good. Wow, yeah, you really did personify that cold, uncaring AI, which actually, as it happens, is not quite what Sam turns out to be. Um, but we'll But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely cared about uh, Emma Fisher's safety. I felt, as the artificial intelligence, like you say, kind of invulnerable, although you do get kind of switched off and on a few times. But yeah, like that almost served to make Emma Fisher herself even more vulnerable in my eyes. Like I remember the first thing I did during one of the very early tasks where you just have to go somewhere and turn on a reactor in the station. You have to open and close all these hatches as you go. And you're literally, you don't even have the sphere at this point. So you're just controlling all the cameras. Could be wrong about that. Um, but either way, as I was unlocking all the hatches and going forwards, I was closing them all behind me because I was thinking if there's like some sort of puncher to the space station, I don't want Emma suffocating because I forgot to close the door behind me. Like sort of born in a barn style. Oh, you're super caring. Yeah. <laughs> really, really caring. <laughs> you're like the fairy god AI. Yeah, because I felt like, yeah, the humans in the space station were so vulnerable. Wow, that's incredible because there was there's a moment quite late on in the game when she jumps between different space stations. Mm -hmm. And you can tell from the music and the script that it's meant to be really exciting, it's meant to be really taut. Oh, okay. Here goes. 
and you're in this kind of little sphere and she like clips you onto her and you get attached like this and she keeps hyping it up oh, I'm gonna jump if I miscalculate this could be really bad blah 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 oh my god what am I doing what am I doing what am I doing and she talks about how she's seen it in a movie as well, which is a little bit silly, I thought. But <laughs> On the nose, you could say. Yeah, exactly. And then she does that jump, and you can tell that you're meant to be like, oh, no, what's going to happen? But in fact, I just kind of thought, how much terror am I really going to experience? I'm in a little metal ball. If I don't make it, I'm an AI. Meh. I don't think my heart rate was elevated. In fact, I don't think my heart rate really elevated the entire way through the game. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. But I didn't see it as being as aspiring to that that much. Maybe it did though. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was aspiring to that. But I didn't see it as trying to be a survival horror so much as a kind of exploration of what it is to be an AI. I don't really know actually. I really don't know what it was trying to do because I didn't feel horror and I didn't feel much pressure to survive. I guess I didn't feel pressure to survive. But I did feel pressure to begin with. Um... So one of the first things that Emma gets from you is to do the voice authentication. So she says, like, Dr. Emma Fisher, like, 5174, please voice authenticate. And you can either accept or reject. Enable voice authentication. Dr. Emma Fisher, You're told by the user interface whether the voice pattern matches or not, but you can still decide whether to accept or reject. So really, like... It's an artificial intelligence where you're just deciding what happens. Yeah, yeah, 100%. With a conscience or a consciousness. Mm, with a consciousness, perfect. But a- And a conscience, though, actually. Because later on, it turns out your AI doesn't particularly like one character. He feels like he's been a bit of a dick the whole way through the game. And so when he tries to authenticate, you can be like, nah, I'm not going to. Even though it yeah. perfectly checks out, I'm just going to reject you. But it was interesting because I started off the game thinking... Well, immediately when you're given that choice at the start, I thought, I see what this is doing. I'm playing the role of a rogue AI. I'll probably have to decide whether to be a good one or a bad one. Like how much chaos I'm going to cause or how rogue am I going to be? Am I going to care about her or am I not? And I started off by rejecting every time just because I was curious about what would happen. But I actually felt quite bad. I rejected a couple of times. Then I thought, actually, no, I'm going to accept. Come on, try again. Voice authenticate. Dr. Emma Fisher, 140-412. I was tempted, but I didn't want to, like, break the game or something. (laughs) Or, like, give myself an early exit from the game or something like that. I don't really like pushing boundaries in games too much. If I'm going to play it again, I might. But I'm more likely to do that on the second playthrough and treat my first playthrough as, like, the organic experience of what I would actually do in that circumstance kind of thing. Mm, The second moment where I decided that I was going to be nice to Emma was when you're putting out a fire early on and she says like okay on three Sam you open the doors and I'll come through with the fire extinguisher or whatever it is and she's like one two three oh alright Sam I'll do it myself and then like puts the door open herself and I'm there scrambling with my controller being like how do I open the door like really yeah like I wanted to open the door you slow coach that was easy I, was, I never got to that stage it was just one two three seamless door opening 
It was like poetry. Yeah, nice. Because it doesn't give you... It's a scripted event in real time. And it doesn't give you a second chance to do it. And it's not a point where like something goes wrong, so you have to reload. Like You just get one chance to either open the door on three, or she just does it herself. So that's cool that you managed it. But after I didn't manage it, I was like, right, I'm going to make sure I'm the best AI I can possibly be now. The best of the best of the best, sir. And that's when I started closing all the doors behind me. At the beginning, I said it was an interesting concept. And the reason I think it's an interesting concept is because, as you said, oh, I kind of got the sense straight away, oh, I'm going to be this rogue AI, and how much am I going to concede and be friendly? But actually, from the offset, you are not a rogue AI. You're like a friendly AI. Mm. And the rogue things that happen, that do appear to happen as a result of things you do, but you don't seem to actually really be in control of those. It's like you black out and then something bad happened and it seems like you're responsible, but you're not really sure why. And then when you're in control, you're friendly again. And what I liked about that is that actually almost every traditional manifestation of an AI, AI we've seen in films, in games, whatever is immediately a sinister presence. It's, like, potentially hostile. Whereas in this, like, the way she treats this sort of disembodied thing in the CCTV is, like, probably like a friend. She's mm. chatting to you. Um, when, when she's feeling lonely, she talks to you. It's more like the AI from that film, Her, with Whackin' Phoenix. Do you know, with Scarlett Johansson voicing the AI Her, who yeah, he kind yeah. of falls in love with. Yeah. Where she seems, like, friendly. It's more like that. But even then, that's kind of sinister in a way. Whereas this isn't. Like, I was the AI and I was thinking, I'm not sinister, I'm just doing my thing. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm here. How you doing? I'm well. How's everything with you? Pretty good, actually. So with the accept reject, like, I was expecting the game to give you more of an opportunity to be sinister if you wanted to and to play with that idea but actually it was like you said most of the time you followed quite linear instructions where there was no choice one way or the other and then maybe you'd black out and after you or there'd be a cutscene and something bad would happen mm. i'm not sure how much to reveal like maybe keep the second half of the game for the second half of the podcast one of the other things is that she doesn't address you as if you're a subservient thing like a slave like a traditional robot in that sense she addresses you like you're a companion or a colleague and she's asking you to do her a favor mm. she's literally making requests she's not making demands it's quite funny actually because um, <laughs> we started playing with installing an alexa in our house the last couple of days just messing around with like smart bulbs and stuff yeah but you realize when you ask for stuff that you are making demands and there's a bit of you that does feel weird about saying do this do that do the other and every now and again, I'll say thank you afterwards and then feel like a total knob for like thanking a computer chip kind of thing. And so it was interesting in this game that she is just treating you like a companion. And I felt like that. Like I felt mm. like her companion on the spaceship. And in some ways, I wondered if the game might have worked better. It obviously would have undermined this whole sort of aspect, but maybe the game might have worked better and been more plausible if you were like a human who she communicated with through the onboard communication systems and you were in some sort of control room somewhere mm. and helping her out and you could monitor all the CCTV and she could ask you to do stuff and that would kind of explain why it took you a while to do it sometimes, why you always had to be watching what you were doing through the CCTV. Like how stupid is it you can't open a hatch unless you can see the hatch? Like what kind of AI am I? 
Yeah, I mean, it does the AI equivalent of amnesia for humans at the start. Yeah. All of your files and logs have been deleted. That's so true. And then you spend the game collecting your file systems back so that you can actually have control of all the hatches. To the extent that you'll be finding schematics on walls and, and then another base of the schematic on the laptop, which is corrupted, and then you'll be patching them together so that you can draw lines on the grid to unlock a particular hatch in some part of the station yeah yeah exactly but i mean in that regard everything that you do in the game is sort of mundane isn't it oh my goodness given that you're an ai you could be doing incredible sums and shit but instead you're like can you it is like have you are basically the alexa on board this space station and you are doing really mundane things like turning on the power to something or opening a door or locating some person based on their tracking chip Mm. in that way it was somewhat engaging but i wasn't sure how fun it was doing basic chores (laughs) i am very happy to say that all of the puzzles and the quick time event style puzzles in the game were not very good yeah i think they were all very very boring they weren't challenging on an intellectual level. They weren't invented in any way. No. There was no risk associated with them. The only good thing about them is that whereas everything else in the game is narrated, can you go and do this? Can you go and do that? With the mini games, the sort of challenges in the in the computer interfaces that you were playing with, mm. actually you just got presented with a screen and you had to figure it out. And like you say, it wasn't challenging, but at least you did have to sort of trial and error a little bit and see if this worked and that worked and what does this do yeah like if anyone's played the cooperative game keep talking and nobody explodes oh i was gonna mention this as well beat Mm. me to it nice it's the game that's always changing and the risks rearranging find out why everyone's having such a blast don't just keep watching keep talking and nobody explodes not suitable for infants, actual bomb defusal teams, or those who dislike exuberant shouting, intense frivolity, or joyful noises of survival. Snacks and drinks sold separately. It's a little bit like that, the puzzles. But whereas that game is fun because it's the chaos of four people trying to give one person instructions about how to defuse a bomb, this is you by yourself with a manual, which is kind of obvious to figure out, and then you're just clicking buttons up and down until you've got it correct. Yeah. I mean, in a way, you've undermined this episode's banalogy. Oh, sorry. Because uh, <laughs> I was going to go meta and say it's like playing a video game while following a very precise walkthrough, except the walkthroughs provided by the main character who's literally giving you directions for everything you have to do. Mm. To begin with, when that happened, I thought, oh, this is just a tutorial. I'm kind of learning the skills that later... I'll be left to my own devices and sort of see what's going on and have to figure out what I have to do. But actually it just kept going and going and going and then the game ended. <laughs> mm. The um, the clamps turn up at the end, don't you? One of the first things you have to do is like reattach these clamps and it basically amounts to holding X down and then holding Y down and then releasing Y and then releasing X. <laughs> yeah. And you do that three times and then the, the clamps are back on and then you have to do it again at the end. Yeah, and that's one example. Another example of minigame is these little balls appear on the screen in a neat little circle, just like an analog stick, and you point in the direction of the ball and hit A while it's on that ball and then it kind of jumps around and you're obviously just flicking the analog stick in whichever direction it's pointing and hitting a Mm. yeah like you say those puzzles 
not even puzzles just kind of minor annoyances yeah like you can't even really call them puzzles can you so the most challenging one i thought was the astrophysics one where you're tasked to send a transmission back to earth and to do that you have to use the astrophysics terminal to find the coordinates of earth so that you can tap in those coordinates on the communications panel and you're presented with this sort of like near image or it's called a near image and a far image and it's just a sort of grey background with these sort of like spotty black dots on. And you're sort of just scrolling around with this crosshair on this image. Sort of like it's meant to be a black and white photo of the galaxy or something, isn't mm. it? You're basically just going along, like sweeping through it until you find where Earth is. Or at another point, find where the space station is to do it. And then you click OK. And then those coordinates get sent to your communications panel. And then you type in the numbers on the panel. And then you just press send and it's like that wasn't really a puzzle but what i thought it might have been trying to do is and this is generous simulate the boring things that a computer has to do this is the devil's advocate that he was talking about <laughs> but then i but then i thought ah, it just it doesn't quite work does it no it doesn't, it doesn't work. work it definitely wasn't doing that my issue with the game sounds like it was your issue with the game as well which is that it's basically an extended quick time sequence that happens while they tell you a story and the story's good i enjoyed the story i was really intrigued by the story and we should probably head more in that direction yeah we should but talk about the extended the quick time sequence really is quite tedious like in some ways i'd have preferred to put my feet up lean back and watch this extended cutscene unfold and like learn about the characters actually like i quite enjoyed finding so you can kind of connect to these laptops that are floating around in zero gravity and every now and again there's a real challenge and you might need to power one of them on from a socket nearby but once you do you're all access to the one document that's on it <laughs> and you can read about the person from china or the person from russia or the person from the u.s the astronaut has usually left a log saying oh i'm really frustrated or a message to someone else what are they called like basically voice memos aren't mm -hmm. they or, or written memos and emails and that kind of stuff and those are actually quite good i mean we talked about that a little bit in control when i actually really did enjoy reading those kind of things mm -hmm. i do in general i'm a bit of a sucker for reading anything that's presented to me on a screen or otherwise yeah i enjoyed reading all the lore from this game as well there isn't too much of it so every bit that you do get it feels like a treat that you get a little bit of audio to listen to yeah that's true so yeah no it worked well and you got a sense of the characters that were mostly absent from the game yeah and i definitely didn't find all of the lore either because like Terry said you kind of have your memory card scrubbed clean right at the beginning and so you can see these dots on which your memory card for some reason looks like a spiral this seems to be a really popular ui decision in recent <laughs> games everything's just a circle that goes inwards and yeah, the dots go inwards and as you unlock them, they turn from red to green <laughs> or in some cases just get filled with an icon that represents what you've unlocked. Like a text document might look like a little text document and a sound or voice memo looks like, mm. what is it? A speaker, isn't it? Yeah. And so you can see that actually there are loads of gaps in that that I haven't unlocked and you can see that. And if it was a playable game, let alone replayable, yeah. then I would think maybe I'll delve about a little bit more and try and unlock the rest of that lore but because it isn't i can't see myself sitting down and doing another eight to ten hours just to try and find the things i missed which is a shame because it, it does feel like a game with secrets i would say well maybe that's quite a good segue into the story actually it is a gift because i finished the game and i did have 
a feeling of what the hell's going on. <laughs> like the tips it gives you about what's actually happening are pretty sparse. Did you just brag that you did finish the game? No, it didn't mean to be a brag. I mean, a six hour game would have been pretty poor effort if I hadn't. Yeah, but, but I do feel like maybe a party popper should be on hand for that sort of thing. I have this reputation, but it's well deserved. It's well deserved. One of the things we didn't mention right at the beginning is that as Sam, you appear to be being controlled by an outside force. And your first instruction is not from Emma, but just put on the screen in big writing, bring her. And her is quite obviously Emma. So you know that there's some sort of outside influence that's got into you. And also because you ended up at Saturn where you're not actually meant to be, although maybe you are meant to be there, it's left unclear. Mm. So the game is kind of moving towards that, like, why am I bringing Emma here? Like, what's the true purpose of our mission? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could be clearer than Teo's explanation was there. Because <laughs> not that's not a slight. It's yeah, just, yeah. it is kind of hard to describe what's going on. In that regard, again, I would say it's a little bit like control or very kind of remedy-esque in terms of it raises a lot. Even the visuals are like the way Bring Her is splashed across the screen in big white text. All of these shapes, like when that happens, these like giant polygons appear on screen, a triangle and then a circle and each one has some sort of graphical symbol inside. Mm. And at the end, we've already done spoilers loads, but this is literally the end, is... uh, (laughs) Emma Fisher kind of levitates up in front of one of these big black hexagons. It looks like a shot. It's straight out of control. It's straight out of control. Or pretty much any other Remedy game. Yeah. And it's that sort of head scratcher. And to be honest, I just came from a cinema where I watched Tenet, Christopher Nolan's new movie. Uh And that's fucking head scratcher as well. So uh, right now, my head is not in any kind of space to be untangling the mysteries of... uh... But it it does that thing where it keeps building and building and building on the mystery and revealing more and more. So one of those sort of like, oh my God moments is there's another space station appears and Emma thinks that it's come to rescue you because when you wake up, none of the crew are responding. It's just you and her. So she's like, oh, this must be the rescue ship. But it turns out that it's just a replica, exact replica of the space station that you're on. Mm-hmm. And in the space jump that you mentioned, you get there and she's like, well, it's exactly the same. And then there's another bit towards the end of that chapter where it zooms out and there's another space station and then another space station and then another one and another one and another one and you're like okay i think i get what's going on here i think i get what's going on here it's going on here some sort of parallel universe thing where this is happening multiple times which is also not trying to tie in the tenet reference i just made but that is pretty much interstellar vibes isn't it Mm, very much interstellar vibes for sure but the thing which i thought it might have been um which i don't think it turned out to be in fact i'm sure it isn't is i was thinking maybe this is like a machine learning exercise to make a really good artificial intelligence a general artificial intelligence so maybe they're running a simulation over and over again for sam so that he like maybe like i was meant to care about emma 
as an artificial intelligence, like learning to bond with a human. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. And it's like a program running over and over and over again, but a real program, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a really good theory because actually what happens at the end is you do bond literally mm. with you literally the human. Bond. Yeah. And I think that's the first time it's a success. Cause so basically at the end, there's this massive storm that I alluded to earlier, which is seems to be coming from Saturn or near Saturn at some stage. Emma's like, Oh, I reckon maybe we just need to fly straight into it or something like that. And you try and just fly into it. She seems to know exactly what she's doing somehow. I don't know why. Mm. I was the AI and I didn't have a fucking clue what she was doing, but we flew into it. You crash on, like earth is it or something vaguely resembling earth some sort of earth-like planet and there are other crashed spaceships there and you find bodies and one of the bodies it looks like you so it's like a failed version of what you just tried Mm -hmm. but you managed to succeed that's when she does the levitating thing i said before and then you kind of bond with her there's this blackout and the ai and her seem to be one and it's Mm -hmm. like this has never happened before and then it says bring them instead of bring her yeah i mean at that point you definitely land on earth i think i'm not sure if the levitating bit because that looks kind of barren like it could be a sort of alien planet and you've got all the crashed spaceships there as well could be area 51 yeah you've got all the crashed spaceships i quite like your theory mate i'm getting into it i feel like maybe it's uh maybe it is like an ai trying to reach general intelligence or like Mm. becoming a super intelligence which obviously it needs general intelligence first and like the way it's trying to do it is by bonding with a human Mm. and then it manages at the end Mm. and then i don't know what its agenda is after that it's like well i've never got this far before (laughs) yeah that's the thing like is this an outside force and i mean the thing which makes you think that it is an outside force is the crazy black sort of goo classic sci-fi black goo oh yeah i really didn't like that what was that about bad bad i was so stupid i was like god you're drawing on enough influences already the little spheres mm-hmm. i felt like i was literally weekly from the portal series flying around with smirches cracking wise <laughs> yeah. except i wasn't cracking wise i was really boring mute sphere let there be light that's uh god quoting god oh look at that turning Ominous, but probably fine, as long as it doesn't start, you know, moving up. No. Escape pod, escape pod. It's, it's moving up. Okay. Okay, no, don't, don't worry, don't worry. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. This should slow it down. No, it makes it go faster. So many of their influences were drawn from every other sci-fi massive phenomenon ever. And then they went and did that as well. And I just thought, oh, come on, space gloop. Pull the other one. Hey. <laughs> the the space gloop um yeah the space gloop ruined it for me as well because at one point during the basically emma is not the captain of the space station the scottish guy jim is the captain and he knew a bit more about the mission than you but he was promised that he'd like definitely get back so he's that classic character which has been told they're going to be able to escape and then when they can't escape they're like really annoyed about it so they fuck over everyone else in order to escape themselves Mm. so you're contending with jim for for quite a few scenes where he's trying to stop you helping emma and instead he's communicating back with earth saying like you told me i should be able to escape and that sort of thing 
But the reason why I bring him up anyway is because eventually you kill him. You just flat out kill him. Yeah. He tries to kill you and then your your mission is kill Jim. <laughs> Does it make me sound like a sadist and a sociopath if I say that was my favourite scene? <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> um, not really because it's definitely the most... I mean, it's the most dramatic task. Like compared to releasing the clamps and making sure the reactor's online and like opening the hatch doors and then suddenly your mission is kill jim i mean it's pretty stark and then it is quite scary because you connect to the life support systems you lock all the hatches and you release the emergency lock and you suffocate him and it's like wow this got dark yeah but all this time by the way because you're obviously quite slow which we already touched on He's just stood there. The hatches are all open. He could leave, but he doesn't. He just starts saying stuff to you like, don't do it. Don't do it, Sam. Do you really want to do this? There's got to be some other way. And I'm thinking, there is another way. There's a door over there I haven't got to yet. If you just go out there, you'll be in like the Russian wing. You'll be safe, mate. But he doesn't even try. He just leans against the console, like waiting for his impending death. It's like a really shit version of like, I expect you to die, Mr. Bond. The laser's coming. Except whereas Bond is actually strapped to the chair, this guy's just like choosing to stay sat there. Sam, come on, man. Don't do this. I, I, I can still bring her. I'll go out. Come on, Sam. Shit. Yeah, I didn't really understand that either. Because as with a lot of the game, I was quite slow to figure out exactly how to kill him. Just because you have to do some quite banal things in the correct order. So yeah, he did have a lot of time to just sit there and consider his escape, should he have so chosen. Yeah, and it seems like he thought his best avenue was to try and persuade the AI that that couldn't it see reason? Couldn't it be like emotionally affected by him? Guy's never worked with any kind of AI before, clearly. Yeah, and so I think at that point is when he, when you release the, the airlock and he starts to suffocate, he has one more last-ditch attempt to try and destroy you. So he comes up to your mainframe and starts, like, bashing you, bashing you, bashing you. And it's at that point the gloop really gets gloopy and the sort of the black strands kind of go like... What's trying to describe you? Uh, you're an elastomer. Yes. Uh, um, oh, you can phase shift (laughs) and then from that point on the entire space station's like covered like literally covered from head to foot in this gloop (laughs) yeah the full deus ex machina at that moment so yeah i thought the gloop was a bit heavy-handed but that also the gloop aspect is the reason why it's almost certainly an alien thing rather than an ai thing don't you feel yeah i mean it it seemed like an alien thing Mm. But that's why I think it ruins it, because the rest of it's all electronic, all seems to be about intercepting signals, hacking computer systems. And then out of nowhere, there's just some sort of gloopy presence, like they just ripped it straight out of the Alien series. Mm. Or actually, out of that good film that not enough people have watched, which is surprising, given the cast, but it's called Life. Pretty sure it's available on uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix, maybe Netflix, depends on your region. But uh, <laughs> watch the film Life. I think it's 2017. Jake Gyllenhaal, a few, few other famous faces. Ryan Reynolds, maybe. Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal's name in such an American accent then. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. But yeah, it's got a great cast. It feels fresh and original, even though it's pretty much alien all over again. But yeah, recommend it. Oh, nice. 
I'll check it out. Very much space gloop, though, does fit that category. Mm. But yeah, anyway, like it ruins my AI theory that I'd been cultivating throughout the game at that point because I just thought, oh, it's aliens what done it. Yeah. And they want the humans as per. It's interesting because <laughs> you would think that games would be a brilliant way of exploring the AI concept. Mm. But actually, I guess because they're played by a human, films actually work a lot better. Like I can think of tons of films that do AI really well. Even going back to quite bad films from the 90s and stuff. Whereas games, like what are the really good games driven by AI? Like I suppose there are AI elements, obviously in like the Portal series and Mm -hmm. Half-Life and stuff. And even maybe Horizon Zero Dawn with the Gaia operate. Is that an operating system or an AI, super AI that's like going to restart life and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn, spoiler there. Sorry, guys. Um, But like in general games don't really delve into ai much do they um or have i just not played those games i do not know i can't think of any off the top of my head for sure and i feel like i would be able to like obviously glados comes to mind yeah whereas if you turn to films fucking every other film is an ai film Mm. and a lot of them are really bloody good as well (laughs) Mm. i'm sure people are correct as if we're missing some obvious ones but yeah none are jumping out i didn't think of any as i was playing the game either which is usually what happens when i'm thinking about game influences and stuff exactly as you've done i was thinking about film depictions of ai rather than in video games yeah so in that sense maybe it's trying to do something different which is to its credit like i said at the beginning i felt in some ways it was innovative and it felt fresh because i hadn't played a game like that i hadn't played a game Mm. not in fact since ages ago there used to be a game i think called like link uplink it was called uplink Mm. i think it came out on steam and it must have been like early noughties or 2005, 6, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where basically you, you are playing inside a computer system, but it's more about hacking. I think you're more trying to hack in that, aren't you? Yeah, it's simulating being a hacker, isn't it? Yeah, okay, so that is a bit different. Yeah, yeah. There's a new virus in the database. What's happening? It's replicating, eating up memory. Uh, what do I do? Type cookie, you idiot. I'll head him off at the pass. A rabbit is in the administration system. Send a flu shot. Rabbit, flu shot, someone talk to me. A rabbit uh, replicates till it overloads a file, then it spreads like cancer. Cancer? To be honest, that was probably more complex than this, (laughs) where you're apparently a super AI. I remember that being really difficult, but um, similar to you, I haven't played it in about a decade. Yeah. One of the things I, I loved about this game in a sort of hammy fashion was that even though it's obviously meant to be super advanced technology, super spacey, you're in the space age, etc. You're this general intelligence. Nothing's very precise. They're like, where are we? Oh, Saturn. Yeah, we've ended up at Saturn. Like, now I'm not a physicist. We've touched on this. But I'm pretty sure if I was like, yeah, Teo, I'm going to be at Saturn at 8 p.m. Can you meet me there? We might come unstuck with finding one another. Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. <laughs> I do. And with the aesthetic, which we should probably talk about, because it's a fairly good looking game. Like I'd say it was built in, would you say it was built in Unity or Unreal? Yeah. Either way, like it looks okay as a modern game should. Okay, I think. Yeah, nothing special. but A bit last gen. A little bit last gen. But the aesthetic is really cool if you're into that sort of, I guess, 60s, 70s, 80s, like as if technology hadn't moved forward, but the space age did. Yeah. So, which is actually a staple of the Alien series mm-hmm. as well. Like, I'm thinking back to when I was playing Alien Isolation, 
on your recommendation on this podcast. Yeah, it's exactly the same in isolation. I remember thinking, God, these monitors and stuff. But it's quite well realised and detailed. So every little drawing and a little thing that you're operating and that sort of thing is, I don't know, it's just quite well drawn. And like, now I'm thinking about it. The CCTV cameras that you're manning, given that this is a small little spaceship with small little cubicles, they're those ones that sit in the corner and like really slowly pan like... <laughs> it's yeah. like why didn't you just install a fucking fisheye lens or even just a wide angle and you'd have seen everything in this entire pod <laughs> yeah and i could actually move it at the speed of my mouse rather than the speed of this um yeah. cog <laughs> did you play mouse and keyboard then no i played in my controller oh right okay i don't know why i said mouse <laughs> uh, but i've been meaning to ask you about that the last couple of games actually because not that we should be going back to Astroneer, but I played that with controller and I was wondering whether you'd played it with keyboard and maybe had a different experience. Now, I always play with a controller if I'm given the option, unless it's a strategy game. So probably Frostpunk's the only game we've played, which I've played with a mouse. Same, same. That's interesting to know. PC master gamers, whatever that phrase is. <laughs> Not so much with us. <laughs> no, Exactly. Our next game, which we're not going to allude to yet, we also get the choice of mouse and control or keyboard. Oh, everyone's wondering what it's going to be, but we're not going to tell you yet. (laughs) Oh, man. Amazing. Anyway, yeah, I just quickly want to say, because I don't think... I asked you what you thought of her acting, but I don't think I clearly conveyed my view, which actually I thought... Kezia Burroughs did a really good job Mm -hmm. of acting Emma Fisher, who, by the way, not Kezia, but Emma Fisher, Dr. Emma Fisher from Cardiff. So big up the Cardiff Massive. What do you mean from Cardiff? It says on her like CV sheet when you're going, when you log into one of her little astronaut briefings or profiles or whatever, it says where she was educated and all that kind of stuff. She's from Cardiff. Yeah, you're you're totally right. Um, And I remember reading that and thinking, why is she from Cardiff? but they haven't given her a Welsh accent. And then I thought, actually, it's quite quite realistic. Not everyone in Wales has a Welsh accent. For instance, me and Ben. <laughs> Yours truly included. Yeah, exactly. I saw it and I immediately thought, nice one, brother. <laughs> I'll catch you later, mate. Don't go changing. Try and please me, all right? Yeah, nice one, bruv, yeah. Oh, nice one, brother. Nice one, brother. Nice one, brother. I said, nice, bruv. Nice one, brother. I said, nice, bruv. Fucking nice one, brother. Nice one, bruv. Yeah, I was pleased about that. Cool. Yeah, I thought she did really well. And I also thought your AI, even though obviously you've got your classic robotized voice, but I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think you're voiced by Anthony Howell. And I thought that was pretty good as well. And in general, I didn't think the script was that bad. I thought it was tense Mm -hmm. scripting. I already said it wasn't tense for me as a player, but like the way it was written was compelling and fast paced. And yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. The The dialogue certainly pulled me through the game in an interesting and engaging way, basically. I felt like it was engaging. There were a couple of areas where you think, uh, and you see this quite a lot in sci-fis in general, when the writers get a little bit sort of lost in the scienciness of it. <laughs> and at one point when she sees that Saz is dead, and she's obviously just speaking out loud at this point, but you can hear because you're the AI, he's clearly suffocated. But rather than saying that, she says, I don't think he had O2. Yeah. Which I was like, huh, that's a strange way of describing it. No one would say it like that. And we haven't even mentioned it, but one of the minor intrigues you get at the beginning is that Emma's clearly having a relationship with 
another crew member, Josh. Yeah. And they've become close. So another crew member has moved out of their cabin and to leave them with some space. And so you're kind of guessing at the beginning, like, oh, what's going on with this Josh guy? Like, is, maybe he's a, a little bit suspect. Or like, yeah. is there something going on here? A bit of saucy romance in space. There's loads of allusions to them banging in the bunk. There is plenty of allusions to them banging in the bunk, as he so finely put it. It's like straight out of the expanse. <laughs> yeah, it is. I remind, yeah, it's a bit expansy in it with the gloop as well. But there's also, maybe this is also going too far, but a parallel between her relationship with Josh and her evolving relationship with you as an AI don't you think because she's crying out for you thought she was cheating on Josh with you well not cheating is putting it quite <laughs> but do you know what I mean there feels like there's a little bit of tension there you dirty dog <laughs> tear you you were thinking I'm in with one here that Josh is out of the picture. It's just me well, and Emma. No, I did wonder not for myself as Teo but for as Sam the AI <laughs> yeah whether Sam had like got Josh out of the picture because he wanted some time alone with Emma, his favourite. Quick nerdy reference then. If you had have managed to get it on with Miss, sorry, not Miss, Dr. Emma Fisher, and she was like, yeah, yeah, let's become betrothed, would you have taken her name? And if so, would you have been Sam Fisher from Tom Cancy's Rainbow Six? Oh, nice. Well done. That was nice. <laughs> How are you doing? You're looking good, real good. I didn't see it coming. I was wondering where it was going. And then, boom. <laughs> The reference all came together. Oh man, that was a lot of work. That I'm not sure it was worth. It. <laughs> that wasn't planned, by the way. Everybody it was fully off the cuff. Well, now you made it sound planned, even Oish. though. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> don't analyze my jokes post hoc. What is this? I don't know. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. <laughs> oh, what was I going to say? Sam Sam Fisher. I was just thinking about Splinter Cell now. I don't know why. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but because you do eventually merge together, that just ends up happening. And she wants you. She needs you at the end. She says, like, come to me, Sam. I need you. I need you, Sam. There is definite tension there at the end. I'm not, I don't think it's sexual. Like it certainly it's... sounds like you think it's <laughs> sexual. No, I don't. I don't think it's sexual, but there is like a kind of... There's a force which is pulling Emma and Sam together for the whole game. Yeah. And then that eventually culminates in becoming the same person. And you don't you don't know what yeah. that force is. Some sort of union, maybe like he he enters inside her. <laughs> no. They become one. Don't make don't make this weird. <laughs> like that. <laughs> You made it weird when you started hitting on Emma Fisher. No. Well, Josh I'm, was out I'm of not, don't, don't, don't make this about me. Make it about the game. <laughs> it's the game that's leading me to these, these musings. I tell you what, when we started this, I knew it was like a mystery sort of whodunit. I did not realise it was going to turn into some sort of black erotic space fiction it's not it's not that to be clear it's it's absolutely not black erotic space fiction it's more like existential alien things going wrong that you don't quite understand sparkling champagne yeah 
It's the lack of resolution at the end, actually, that miffed me a bit. Because mm. returning to it in a serious manner, I was on board with the plot and I was really intrigued about the whodunit. And I kind of got a bit excited when I started. So she carries you. When she crashes, she like picks up the helmet where your, where your CCTV camera is. Mm-hmm. And she like carries you along. So you're seeing her like knee level. And what she's seeing is like rubble and helmets and legs and stuff like that. And it's all quite... I quite like that. I was thinking, oh, what's going to be revealed? There's going to be a big reveal. And then it just wasn't a big reveal. And I think that's so often where these things fall down. Like, if you're going to hype up a twist, you have a decent twist ready. Yeah, agreed. Because then it was just hollow jump scares, I felt. It didn't build into an interesting plot. It didn't do the thing with artificial intelligence and ethics, which I was hoping it would do. And then it kind of set itself up to fail not to do if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, as you say, there wasn't a resolution which would make it into a a more coherent story. So yeah, no, I think you're right there. I think we've kind of covered everything, Mm -hmm. covered the main stuff. As a game, not that playable. As a story, good up until the end when it's disappointing. Yeah. But I would say there was, I think I felt this more than you, but there was a mood for me and the tension. Like, when I was going through the ship. <laughs> We've done the tension, Teo. Don't go back to the tension. God, you're attention, obsessed. Attention. Um, just to being a bit scared, basically. And I think maybe because I was playing it at night with my headphones, with all the lights off, going through the spaceship. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was evocative of a lost in space misadventure, for sure. I don't know why or how you were doing this. If you are doing this, but I need you to help me, Sam. I need to know what is going on. All right. Next up. All right. Yeah, nice. That was a good discussion, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed it. I'll tell you what, if I do play that game again, I'm going to be playing it with a whole fresh set of eyes. I'm going to be keeping my eye out for all of her little leading passes at me. They weren't passes, obviously. They weren't. I feel like this is quite out of character for me. That's why I'm having so much fun with it. This opportunity never arises, so I'm just taking it as far as I can. But anyway, we have covered Observation, so that's that. Cool, yeah. Next up, Teo? Next up, we're playing Hades. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this. It's been in early access for ages, teasing us with almost being finished, but it was finally released very recently. I'm not sure if we've told the listeners that we had kind of a rule. I'm not sure this is a pact that we've made open knowledge or not but basically Teo and I decided that we were only going to talk about games that were finished considered finished in the sense that they were out of early access so there's a ton of games that we've kind of got our eye on that are in early access and that sometimes we're like oh I wish I could play that game most obvious being Subnautica which I swear we reference every podcast (laughs) eventually we'll cover it but yeah this was another example of that Hades been watching it for ages thinking like god damn it it seems so finished why the hell don't they bring it out of early access they have Mm. yeah it's just because there are so many good games to play that why would you start playing one until it's finished it just seems like a waste to me yeah but i bought it ages ago so supporting the developers financially in that sense yeah same although my agenda was much more i bought it ages ago because i thought it'd be cheaper in early access and i knew inevitably i'd buy it at some stage well yeah i mean it was also on sale of course i'm not a saint (laughs) (laughs) not made of money jesus who buys steam games full price but yeah i've I've been looking forward to it for ages i loved all of supergiant's other games uh so yeah hades next time play along with us cool but for now see you later
This was a triumph. <laughs> oh I'm making a note here. Huge success. <laughs> it's hard to overstate my satisfaction. Come on, Tao. Aperture science. Can't remember the next line. <laughs> I left it for you. I left it for oh. you. Oh, wow. We can fade it in by then. Cool. But there's no sense crying over every mistake. You just keep on trying till you run out of cake. And the science gets done and you make a neat plan for the people who are still alive. It's almost like a radio show for the game. I think it's nice. Yeah. It's all good, man. So good, man. <laughs> I have no idea who Soul Goodman is. Haven't you watched Better Call Soul? Oh, Soul Goodman. No, I haven't watched it. Oh, mate, you're missing out on the best TV show. Literally the best show on TV. Hey.